Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hello, Las Vegas and peoples of the world, other universes, Martians, which I don't believe exist. But if you happen to be out there and you're listening, because what else would you be listening to, really, if you were coming to invade the planet than my show? But the planet's already been invaded. The planet's already been invaded. By Jesus Christ. Anyhow, this is the Frittle Show. You're listening to 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can call us at 702-647-4522 or tweet me at the Frittle on Twitter. And of course, if you'd like to email, you can email radio at experienceliberty.com. But if that's too new school for you and you want to go old school and send us a letter... We're at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard in Las Vegas. And for those of you that are sitting there scratching your head going, wait a second, did she just say Martians and Jesus invaded in the same sentence at the opening? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because, you know, with all of our culture's obsession with extraterrestrial and supernatural beings and being invaded by such beings, sometimes we forget that we already have been. Everybody's like, is there any form of outside life ever visiting the planet? Yeah, there is. Jesus. God has already invaded. I'm just saying. But that has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with what I want to talk about today. It's just extra, extra free stuff. You know, I started the show and I was just, I was laughing. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to stop laughing before we came on the air because there's just so much today to talk about. And uh, let's just start with this on my drive to work this morning here in Las Vegas. For those of you that don't live here, it's, it's hard to explain sometimes the things that you see here. But if you live here, you just, you get it. You, you understand when I say things like I passed a, a, uh, an old style Volkswagen bug on the road this morning and this this bug had you know the 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 Roman centurions and the Roman soldiers they had that like red feathery big car brush looking red thing on the top of their helmets and all those things this VW a bug had this huge red Romanish apparatus on top of it And from a distance, I thought, hmm, maybe that's a weird, like, Caesar's Palace promo vehicle or something. No, it was not. It was not at all. I put a picture of it up on Twitter. If you can go, uh, go to my Twitter, at the Frittle, if you could tweet me and explain to me what, what is happening in this picture, what this car is, 50 points for you. 50, 50 points. All right, so yesterday was day one of the Republican National Convention. We're going to talk about it here just a little bit because... Oh, snap. Why is there no... Huh, that's weird. 
Can you guys hear me right now? Not really. You can't really hear me. I wonder why. That's very bizarre. There we go. Is that a little bit better? Huh. And my soundboard doesn't show any noise happening. So if any of you can actually hear me, or cannot hear me, although I guess if you cannot hear me, you wouldn't know to be able to tell me that. Are we sending anything out over there? Very little bit. That's really bizarre. Hmm. If I understood all the technical terms, I would explain to you what is happening right now, but essentially, my soundboard is not showing me as putting out any audio, but everything else looks like it is putting out audio. And yes, I'm just talking you through me thinking about and talking about this situation because, uh, otherwise I would have to put you, put you elsewhere. I don't know. Looks like looks like we're good. I don't know why my soundboard's not showing anything. If you can't hear me, let me know. <laughs> okay. Um what was I talking about? Oh yeah. So the convention. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time on that here this first segment because we have uh Stephen Perkins and uh Katie Moyer from Outset Magazine are going to be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. Katie is actually at the convention, so we'll talk more with her about that, but um Trump's entrance last night to introduce Melania. Absolutely classic. Like, seriously. If you didn't see it, go go Google it. I At first I was like, oh no. Oh no. And then I just couldn't stop laughing. I was like, for real? For real? It, it reminded me of President Obama, well then candidate Obama's entrance in the uh, 2008 Denver convention. Remember he had those Greek columns behind him and like descended upon us to give himself as a gift to the world and how everyone on the right mocked that entrance? Alright, I'm sorry. You, you can like Donald Trump, but if you're not willing to at least say that this entrance was just as... um um. Wow, overdone as Obama's in 2008, then maybe you should maybe you should back up and see if you're really objective because it was it was it was something it was <laughs> it was something. And then of course we had the uh, the little uproar, which only lasted for I think a little less than half an hour on the floor yesterday with the roll call vote not happening, and we'll discuss that in detail with. Uh, with Stephen and Katie at the bottom of the hour. But uh, I think the winner of the night, well, there were two winners. There was Marcus Luttrell, I think Lone Survivor. He gave just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal speech. And then Melania Trump to wrap up the night. Well, actually, they had, I think, four speakers after her, which I felt bad for them because they were basically speaking to a completely empty stadium. But uh, Melania's speech at the end of the night was really very good. Um, I think... Think Michelle Obama's for the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country, and then switch that completely around. Like, get as opposite from that as you can possibly get, and that's what we had going on. Oh, there we are. Hello. Now my soundboard is... Okay, why are you not, uh... Huh. That's bizarre. Okay, let me see if you can still hear me here. Can you still hear me there? Alright, why won't it do both? Hmm, that's interesting. Okay, but you can hear me either way there. 
very odd. My soundboard is is having a bad day. Someone came in and was pressing buttons on my soundboard. I just discovered yesterday, and I guess I didn't get them all turned back on. Anyhow, we're still going. Um, but yeah, she came out. She was she was proud of her American. Uh, uh, citizenship. She talked about the greatness uh, of America. She also wasn't ashamed of her native country. Uh, she was just she 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 wasn't ashamed of her family. She wasn't aloof or distant. She was personable and relatable. I think she won the night. And then, and then, and then comes out that uh, I think about two paragraphs of her speech were um plagiarized like no joke word for word almost of Michelle Obama's speech that was given on August 25th 2008 which this is just sad I don't know what speechwriter for the Trump campaign wrote this but you have taken what was an excellent speech and really the defining moment, I think, of yesterday at the RNC. And now because of this, I think one of uh, one of Trump's uh, political people said it was 7% of her speech now was plagiarized. And for anyone that's out there being like, oh, it wasn't plagiarized. Yeah, it was. You can, you can look at the actual text. It's almost word for word like word for word of two paragraphs of Michelle's speech in 2008. So, you know, it's it it's sad because again, you had this fantastic speech and now the only part that people are talking about is the fact that 7% of it was plagiarized. Is it a big deal? I, honestly, I would say no. You know, I'm not a huge fan of of Trump, but you know, it's it's one thing to plagiarize if you're writing a, a news article or a book and making money off of it, but political speeches, I, I, I mean, it's not good. Is it worth all of the drama? Mm, I don't know. Joe Biden said that plagiarizing is no big deal. He plagiarized Neil Kinnock. Uh, Obama plagiarized Deval Patrick. I mean... I, should it be done? No. Should that staffer get reprimanded? Definitely. Possibly even fired. But is it a scandal? Yeah, not really. What should be done, though, is the Trump campaign, rather than just being like, oh, stop it, this is no biggie. No, come out, accept that you made a mistake, and say, you know, say that you've taken corrective action. Do something to take responsibility. Okay? Don't say... That, oh dear, one Trump advisor said uh, who should, was asked who should be fired as after the Melania scandal, and she said Hillary Clinton. No, that's not the way to deal with the situation. Take responsibility. That's what should be done. But again, we're going to get into all of this with uh, with Stephen and Katie. So let's move on. Let's talk about a couple other things here before we have to go to our break. From USA Today, if you are in Salem, Oregon, good news for you. There is a mystery philanthropist philanthropist hiding $100 bills all over your city. He randomly hides the bills to be found at stores, markets, fairs, and festivals, surprising and delighting unsuspecting shoppers and patrons. When the reports first surfaced in May of 2013, I christened him with the nickname Benny because Benjamin Franklin is on the $100 bill. Not long after, when it appears others might be trying to steal his thunder, he began signing his bills. 
A friend of his came forward to act as a liaison, confirming his handiwork. When she died, a replacement quickly stepped forward, emphasizing just how serious Benny's circle of friends are about maintaining his anonymity and how this has never been about him, but about helping and inspiring others. Even so, Benny has been known to be brazen. He often frequents stores during peak shopping times and high-profile events that draw thousands of people. Apparently, that's part of the fun for him. To date, he has hidden more than $50,000 worth of $100 bills in the Salem area, and that's only what has been reported. I keep This is the reporter. Keeps track of when and where the bills are found and, if possible, how they are used. He has left them in 26 different stores, at 8 different events, and in a handful of different neighborhoods. Those who find one all have a similar, similar tale about being shocked when a $100 bill falls out of the packaging of something they just purchased. Bills have been found in everything from breakfast cereals to frozen entrees and from mouse traps to feminine hygiene products. Sometimes they are not discovered until days or weeks later when retrieving something out of the pantry or cabinet. Benny bills, usually neatly folded in force and signed on the front edge, front or back, have come to symbolize generosity and goodwill. From them, a new Salem slang has evolved. The finders are beneficiaries, and nonprofits and causes are benefiting. So there you go. Salem, $100 bills are still being hidden. If that cereal box has already been opened, maybe there's a $100 bill inside of it. Maybe don't put it back quite so quickly. Just a thought. From Red State, that thing that social justice warriors and Target said wouldn't happen, it has happened. At a Target store, of all places, in Idaho, a man was arrested this week for filming an 18-year-old girl trying on swimsuits in the ladies' dressing room. Sean Patrick Smith, 43, was booked and arraigned at the Bonneville County Jail on charges of felony voyeurism. Here's the fun part. Mr. Smith, even though his booking photo shows him to be an otherwise normal-looking male, claims that he is transgender and goes by the name Shauna Smith. Smith admitted to filming the woman undressing court documents show and also admitted to committing similar acts in the past, saying she, he, makes the videos for the same reason men go online to look at pornography. Target made headlines in April when it released a public statement saying it supports the Federal Equality Act, which provides protections to LGBT individuals and opposes action that enables discrimination. Its statement went on to say, We welcome transgender team members and guests to use the restroom or fitting room facility that corresponds with their gender identity. Smith is being held on a $30,000 bond. The charge of felony voyeurism is punishable, punishable by up to five years in prison. Okay. This case, like others before it, is a glaring neon spotlight on the dangerous ideology of the tolerant left. Mr. Smith admits to past behaviors of victimizing young women in what was supposed to be the safety and privacy of bathrooms or changing rooms. We don't know what the ages or who these women were. We don't know how many of his likewise perverted friends got to view these videos and further victimize these women without their consent. This is why Target was the subject of a boycott and should still be under a boycott unless they show the ability to learn from lessons like this one. Meanwhile, this case should go on the books as an illustration of why states like North Carolina have passed common-sense bathroom restrictions based on gender. The goal is to keep these things from happening and to make it more difficult for predators like Mr. Smith to gain access to victims, not easier. Oh, but you know, you're just a racist homophobe if you think that 
people that were born as boys should use the boys' bathrooms and the boys' changing areas, and people that were born as girls should use the girls' bathroom and the girls' changing areas, because surely nothing bad will ever happen, because people really are very good, and if we just give them a chance and all love each other, nothing bad would ever happen again. No. Wrong. That is not how the world works. Mankind is not inherently good. However, mankind is inherently born either male or female. And therefore, can use either the male or female restroom. Or if you want to think that you're whatever you think you are, use, use, a, use a family restroom. Or make a different restroom for these individuals to use. But don't say, oh, if you're actually a boy, like that's the way God made you. But you think... That you're a girl, well, you can use the ladies' room. That's fine. No. First of all, that's just wrong. Secondly, it opens the door for this case, like what happened in the story I just read you. It's going to happen more and more. And if you don't think that 16, 15, 14, 17-year-old boys, high school boys, are going to be daring their friends to claim transgenderism in order to get access to the changing areas of your daughters to film them photograph them humiliate them you you don't know anything about 16 year old boys okay um i don't have time to get into this right now i want to talk about the johnson amendment We'll probably talk about this tomorrow, but uh, the GOP platform, the new GOP platform was just approved last night at the convention. Probably not going to talk about this with, uh, with Katie and, and Stephen. We'll focus more on the, on the events of the convention itself. But there is some, some, some exciting things in the new GOP platform. There's also some concerning things. Really good stuff when it comes to Israel. But the Johnson Amendment and nonprofits and taxation for... Uh, nonprofits and those nonprofits being able to engage in in political endorsements is something that is being talked about, and I think there is a side of that discussion that is not being considered by many on the right and by many in Christian circles, and so I want to talk about that. Um, so here's here's your homework because I don't have time to get into it before our break in this segment, so we'll probably start the show off with it tomorrow, and I want your thoughts on it. Number one, first question, this is for you to think about, and let me know on Facebook or Twitter or wherever else you happen to find me. Number one, should a nonprofit have to pay taxes? That's it. That's it. Don't add anything to the to the question. I'm not asking if they should be allowed to have a political opinion if they pay taxes. No, I just want to know the answer to this question. Should a nonprofit have to pay taxes? Period. That's that's it. Should a nonprofit have to pay taxes or not? If so, why? And if not, why not? Let me know on Twitter. I'm at the Frittle. We're going to talk about that. That's going to start our show tomorrow morning. And if you let me know your thoughts, I'll be sure to include them. Uh, in the show tomorrow, you can listen at 101.1 FM in Las Vegas, or you can stream us online at kvxl101.com if you're outside of Las Vegas. And we're now on fa- on yeah on Facebook. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can just go soundcloud.com slash The Frittle Show or search The Frittle Show on iTunes and find us there. 
We're going to be back in just a few minutes with Stephen Perkins and Katie Moyer from Outset Magazine to talk about what went down at the GOP convention yesterday. And if you watched it at all, you will understand why the break song, this break, is the piano guys playing This Is Your Fight song. Because it just seemed appropriate, considering that we're going to come back and talk about the GOP convention. Don't go away. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM here in Las Vegas. Today we are talking about yesterday's start to the GOP convention in Cleveland with Stephen Perkins. He is the the founder. That sounds so cool, Stephen. You are the founder and manager, president, CEO. We can just throw in whatever titles we want, really. It's Stephen Perkins for Outset Magazine. And then joining him from the floor in Cleveland is Katie Moyer, contributor for Outset and a Pennsylvania native. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. So, Katie, let's start with you since you're actually uh, in Cleveland. Tell us just your general impression of the convention. Is it is it is there a lot of energy? Is it kind of protesty? What's the con- what's the general feel? The convention, it's been uh, very, I think, like almost like magical is uh, maybe a silly word to use, but I think that really describes the energy at the convention. Um, with the exception of the delegate revolt yesterday, it has been super positive, um, high energy, and a lot of like patriotism and people really, really excited and caring about their country. It's been uh, energizing for me personally to be around these people because, uh, you know, with all the events going on in our country almost daily, uh, to come to a place with people who are so proud to be Americans and to are fighting for the good of America is a, a really great thing. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you would use the term magical, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have someone who's actually on the floor on the show, because I don't think magic is what is being portrayed by the media, and at least not the impression that I got watching the news yesterday, whether it was C-SPAN, CNN, or even Fox, that just wasn't how it was being portrayed. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the with the no roll call vote. So, Stephen, let's, let's start with you there. Tell us about this roll call vote that didn't happen and, uh, and why why it didn't and why it should have or if it should have. What, right. Well, the, the, the thing you said about the media is, is this roll call vote was perfect for them because it provided this very clear um, example of, of some of the dysfunction that's going on and kind of blew it up a little. Um, so the roll call vote, first of all, is important, uh, especially the grassroots because it's about accountability. It's about an open vote. It's about assigning a name to the vote. And for the grassroots, it helps them actually understand uh, where the delegates and where the elected officials are and where they stand on certain things. Um, and so that's kind of why it was important. And whenever uh, whenever the different, whenever these kind of rogue states, I guess you could say, tried to push for this vote, um, in the beginning, they were largely ignored. Um, and then when they were heard, it was determined that they didn't have enough uh, enough, essentially enough petitioners to do that. Um, and it really caused this really bumpy start to the convention. And of course, I'm not there, but, but from a viewer at home, it made it look like, oh boy, this is not going off on, in the right direction. I mean, you had people like Ken Guccinelli who, who threw down his credentials, and that was a very strong image to show that there are people there, there are divisions, people who are, you could say, anti-Trump 
who are getting very frustrated with what's going on and they feel like they're not being heard. But I, but I'll say this for for the Republican Party to have this uh, this group of people who feel as if they're not being listened to to ignore their their call for an open vote, which would not have changed the outcome. That's the right. important thing is that right. the Trump delegates still had the majority. It would not have changed the outcome. But to deny that vote, to deny that process to happen effectively, uh, made it seem as if the RNC had something to be afraid about. It, it, and it also made them uh, – it, it also made the people who feel alienated feel even more alienated. And, and that's not a good thing in terms of party unity, which is kind of what this entire convention this week, uh, that's what they want it to be about. They want it to be about people coming together, and they're making it a little tougher to do that. Right. Well, and I think what you said is exactly the problem. For one thing, Trump was going to win anyway. It didn't matter. So to deny that, one, it's it's in the rules. You take a You take a written roll call vote. And I saw a lot of a lot of backlash on social media yesterday, obviously from both sides, but I think one of the misconceptions that I saw most commonly was people being like, well, what about the pledge? Everybody, the delegates agreed to Trump. Trump is the people's choice. They all need to go along. But the thing that we seem to be forgetting is, no, not every delegate was pledged to Trump. There were a lot of delegates mm-hmm. who were chosen to support someone else. And so for those delegates to not be able to put their name down and say, I did what I was appointed by my um, electoral individuals to do, you, you're denying them that opportunity to have written record of, you picked me to go and vote for uh, Cruz, Rubio, whoever else, Kasich, I did what you picked me to do. And to deny them that opportunity, right. I think, is disenfranchising not only to those individuals, but to the people that they represent, their constituents, and to the party as a whole. As you said, it wasn't, it didn't matter. Trump was going to win. But to deny that part of the process, I think people were right to be frustrated. And those that are, are crying that it was, a, it was an outrage that these individuals even wanted to have that vote are denying them their opportunity to do what they were chosen to do as well. Katie, is that somewhat accurate? I completely agree with everything you guys are saying with this. Um, I think one of the problems that a lot of people in general about the election and when it comes to political things that they don't understand is that there is a process through which, uh, like, things go with, like, the voting, like you were just saying. And I think a lot of people don't understand that when we just skip over those processes, it isn't uh, keeping things the way that we want them. Like, it's not um, making sure that we're checking all the boxes. And I feel like we need to go through those things. I didn't even really think uh, until you just said it right now that about the Marco Rubio delegates making sure that they were doing what they were supposed to do, you know, voting for Marco Rubio or whatever. Um, So I think those are really great points. Yeah, and, you know, I think with Cuccinelli, and then obviously you had Mike Lee was was leading that uproar, and then you... It cracks me up. Social media just cracks me up because we have people on social media being like, Mike Lee is a rhino. I'm like, clearly, you know, absolutely nothing, (laughs) nothing about Mike Lee. They're not protesting the fact that Donald Trump is going to get the nomination. We all already know that's going to happen. They just want the process to work the way the process is supposed to work. Let everyone have a voice, because if we say the people's voice matters and then we squelch the people that maybe want to have a different voice. It doesn't work that way, Stephen. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that there there is this um, there's this idea that the Republican Party 
uh, with Donald Trump as, as the nominee is, is, is squashing the dissent. Um, and, and while I, I think that there's some merit to that, there's also some challenges to that idea, this, this doesn't help. I mean, perception is reality, especially mm-hmm. in politics. And when it came to what happened yesterday, and I, I think what you'll continue to see throughout the entire convention this week, there's going to be a lot of people who walk away. There's already people who are saying, you know, I, I can't be a Republican because of how this is operating. But there's going to be a lot of people who walk away from that convention, perhaps even I'd be willing to say some Trump delegates or some Trump supporters who walk away from from the convention going, wow, I, I don't know if, if, if this is the kind of system that I want my party or that I just want to be involved with in general. Right, right. And it's not about, I don't even think it's about Donald Trump at that point. I think what we saw yesterday was, in many ways, the establishment rickrolling the the underlings and the conservatives, the outliers, if you will, which is what led to the revolt that created Trump. So it's all just very ironic and pretzely and all intertwining. But um, let's let's move on because I think you know that was less than thirty minutes of of the entire convention yesterday. But it was a dominant headline, obviously, and for good reason. But now this morning's entry or headline is is Melania's speech, and not for the reasons that it should be. But before we touch on that, first, <laughs> Donald Trump's entrance. It was really cool. It was very cool. I'm yeah. not going to deny that. But I'm watching, at least from watching on TV, I'm like, okay, we have we have smoke. At least it looks like the smoke. And then he like slinks onto the center of the stage. And we've got the silhouetted Michael Jackson thing going on. I'm like, oh, my word. What is happening right now? Katie, what was that like in person? Well, you can imagine that the uh, the whole arena was going wild. Um, I thought it was a really great entrance. Um, it, it was really fun, and it was fitting to the energy of the convention. Um, you have to expect Trump to be doing something flashy like that. So it, it was really fun, and it was really great to hear everyone's reactions around me, really excited getting to see him for the first time at the convention. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. For me personally, I was just like, okay, this might be a, a bit much to me, it was reminiscent of <laughs> of uh, then candidate Obama in 2008 coming down with the marble columns and like the whole Grecian god thing going on. There, it, it kind of reminded me of of something along those lines. Stephen, how how did you feel about this entrance? I think it was a missed opportunity, and, and I will say that whenever he gives his speech later this week. Um, if he does not descend down on an escalator, I, I think really the whole thing isn't even worth it. So it's, it's either or from the or ceiling. Like can he can he descend from the, ceiling, from the ceiling with like just, angels' wings or something? CIA goes down. Okay. I you know I, I thought the stage kind of looks like a spaceship to me, and so I thought the entrance <laughs> kind of added to that kind of sci-fi mystic type of look. But you know it's this is this is a different convention than it was in 08 and, and, and 12. So. You know what? What can you expect? I thought it was fun. It, it was fun, and honestly, I think it accomplished the goal. People talked about it. People tweeted about it. <laughs> it dominated for <laughs> for a good bit of time, and probably will continue to uh, to be talked about for quite a while. But okay, so he comes out. He introduces his wife, Melania. Melania gives. I'm. I'm. You know, spirit of full disclosure, I'm not a huge Trump fan. I'm also not a huge Melania fan, um, really at all, for either one of them. But I thought she gave, other than Marcus Luttrell, I thought she gave one of the best speeches of the day or the night. Um, 
uh-huh. was very much it was I thought it was heartfelt. I thought it was uh, appreciative of not only her native country, but very uh, appreciative of America and the greatness of America. Um, but sadly, that's not the part of her speech that we're talking about today. The fact that she was she made her husband appear more human, more gentle, more likable. No, what we're talking about is the fact that two paragraphs of her speech were apparently uh, plagiarized from a 2008 speech given by Michelle Obama, and that's what we're talking about. Katie, what do you think of this? Actually, you know what, Stephen, let's go back to you for a second, because you are the editor, managing editor, founder of an online publication. Plagiarism, obviously, is a thing that is not, uh, it's just not cool. But does it matter in this context, yes or no? I, I, well, I, I think it matters in the context that, like you said, it distracted from the rest of her speech. And what she gave was actually a, a very good story of her upbringing, of how she sees Donald Trump as her husband. And, and so the speech was great, but because of this plagiarism, as Chris Christie said, 93% of it was original. So, you know, it's not, in his view, it wasn't completely plagiarism. But um, and I also think that it's kind of rough whenever there is the whole thought of that she wrote most of it, and perhaps right. she probably wrote 93% of it. Um, but I, I would say that this was a big moment, and I, I wouldn't put the blame on her necessarily, as I would her speechwriter, obviously, is, is probably where the buck needs to stop. Um, and that that's a, a huge oversight, or maybe not an oversight. I mean, maybe it was... It was, I mean, obviously it seems as if it was an intentional thing, but um, so so I don't think it really matters. And, and I think today and tomorrow and the rest of this week, we'll be talking about other things, but it, it just adds to that. Not the greatest start to the convention, but like you said, it, it, it distracted from her speech and that was the, the biggest injustice of it. Yeah, I agree. And I think you mentioned something very important there, and that is that most people just assume for whatever reason that these politicians are giving these excellent speeches that they wrote themselves when, in fact, no, they they may have given an outline, bullet points. I want to get this general theme, but they have speechwriters and teams that are writing mm-hmm. these. I used to write um, political speeches for a, a candidate that I worked for. And you know, you go to, or at least I did, and I think a lot of speechwriters do, you go to, if you're giving, if you're writing a 4th of July speech, you listen to Ronald Reagan's 4th of July speech. You listen to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever speeches that were good speeches. You read Abraham Lincoln's speech for that day, and you get ideas, and you walk away, and you write it yourself. But this clearly, if you actually look at what was said and compare the two, there's no way somebody was getting inspiration from Michelle's speech and then walked away and, and wrote their own thing. No, it's it's pretty word for word, so I get what people are saying. I think that for anyone to say it wasn't plagiarized is really a stretch. But then again, on the flip side of that, as as Chris Christie said, Stephen, as you mentioned, 93% of it wasn't plagiarized. But nobody's going to care about that because of the other 7%. Katie, do you think that's fair? Um, do you think this just completely overshadows the speech and even the whole day or can we can we still get some good stuff out of this i think that um it's been really interesting to be at the convention and then to be paying attention online um the way that it's portrayed the way that the pundits are portraying things because 
it, it's disappointing that this is the thing that everyone is harping on. I think that they should uh, fire whoever wrote the speech for her um, and call it a day and, the, and end the controversy right there because there were so many great speakers. There were so many great things that were happening at the convention that are way more newsworthy, but nobody is going to be paying attention to that. And it kind of feels like, to me, um, just like you were saying earlier, like I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I know that I don't support Hillary Clinton. Sure. Um, but I I feel like the media is just trying to look for the things that they can harp on, the negativities. Um, some of the Benghazi survivors who spoke yesterday had yeah. the people around me in tears. I mean, there were really, really moving moments of the convention that I think should be highlighted, but everyone is just talking about. I mean, Melania's speech, there were other parts of the speech that were so great and so moving, right. but they're just harping on one little part of it. So I think they should fire whoever wrote that speech for her. I mean, denying that it was like kind of plagiarized is just silly at this point. I mean, they just need to own up to it. But that kind of seems like a trend within the Trump uh, campaign of never owning up to any kind of a mistake and just uh, running with it. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. A Trump uh, staff person was asked today who should be fired as a result of this plagiarism, and they responded Hillary Clinton. I think that is okay. <laughs> that, that is the wrong answer. Just take responsibility yeah. and move on. Stop trying to make it like this never happened, because it clearly did. And now there's videos of it, and just make the problem go away. Not Absolutely. like in a Clinton way. You know, we'd not... Mm-mm. <laughs> But just in just in general, uh, Katie, another question for you. Obviously, we have Mike Pence now picked as the VP. What seems to be the general reaction to Pence there at the convention? A lot of people that I've spoken to don't know a lot about Mike Pence. Mm. Um, so a lot, a lot of the people are really um, open to hearing what he has to say. Um, you know, it's it's a you can look up his record on like the way that he voted on things, but. In this election, that kind of doesn't even really matter. And I think a lot of people are waiting to see how the chemistry between him and Trump plays out. And they're really open to a Mike Pence uh, vice presidency. There's also been a lot of people who um, who knew about him before and really like him. But I haven't really come across anyone who is mad that this was the choice or upset. Lots of people saying, oh, I wish it was Newt or, you know, that's who I was rooting for. But generally positive and like openness towards him as the vice president. Interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people were hoping for and thought it was going to be Newt. Uh, Stephen, what do you think mm-hmm. of, of Trump's pick of, of Mike Pence as his running mate? It was surprising. We heard rumors that Mike Pence was kind of in that lineup of people, but uh, I, I don't know if people expected him to pick Mike Pence over someone like Newt or or even someone like Chris Christie, bless his heart. Um, but but I, I do think that there are still, I mean, there's conservatives who, like Katie said, don't really know his record. They 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 kind of know who he is, um, but they don't really know his story. And so uh, the convention, I think, is going to be a great time for him to introduce himself. Um, and there's this idea that he will bring on board some more mainstream conservatives um, who are who have been hesitant about Trump, and so perhaps that's the case. But I, I'm also a strong believer that vice presidents don't vice presidential picks a don't win elections, and also don't sway that many opinions. Yeah. Um, he's certainly not a Sarah Palin, although his speech I don't know maybe 
just as good as that. He <laughs> talks about I, I don't, what's the what's the dad equivalent of soccer moms, perhaps. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it was it was surprising, and and there is a way for them to turn this into a positive, and I hope they take it this week. Yeah, I do too. I I was surprised actually by the Pence pick. I mean, other than the religious uh, liberties act in Indiana, which he was strong on and then kind of waffled on, uh, Pence is actually a, an incredibly solid. Uh, conservative Christian, and I think that's got to be the reason why the Trump campaign went after him. I honestly can't find another reason, except that also perhaps that Mike Pence won't steal Trump's spotlight at all. I think some of these other figures could have been too strong. Um, Like if you were to get a, a Sarah Palin type, then you have someone that's taking some of the Trump limelight. Pence is is going to be a, a good foot soldier, if you will. But as you said, Stephen, I'm not sure. While I think it does quell some fears because he has that strong um, um, evangelical or even Catholic, he, he claims he's an evangelical Catholic uh, background, he's got a lot going for him on the conservative side where people question Trump's conservative credentials, and I think rightly so. Pence, I don't think you can question that at all if you look at his record and what he's done. All right, so that said... I think we need to wait and see what Trump does with his cabinet. Any thoughts on where we're headed with that? Do you think uh, Flynn was on stage last night? Which, by the way, I'm so glad it wasn't Flynn as the VP pick. Stephen, do you see Flynn getting a spot, or even Newt? Any of these other guys that were that were in the running, are they going to be in the cabinet, do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see that. Um, a lot of people saying Chris Christie, Attorney General. A lot of people saying, like you said, Flynn with, with uh, his position and um, I, I'm not too sure what Trump is going to do with the cabinet, um, and that's going to be really interesting because they say that a president is only as good as the people he puts around them. And so I think this is the ultimate, more than the vice president uh, nomination, this is the ultimate avenue for Trump to say, look, I can be trusted. I, I'm putting these conservative, these true conservatives around me. Um, and so the cabinet pick is going to be interesting. I, I'm not quite sure what the whole list of possible uh, people and their positions are there, but I, I, I do know that Newt should do something. I, they should create a cabinet position on the moon or something, and he could be there. <laughs> but but all all I know is that I, all I know is that the cabinet will be, I think, Trump Trump's real opportunity to kind of show that he can make some wise judgment by putting some good people in there. Yeah, agree completely. All right, well, I'm going to have to wrap things up here. We're out of time, but uh, Katie, you are at the convention this week. Where can people follow you? Are you on Facebook, Twitter? People want to keep in track yeah. with you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Katie Moyer, K-A-Y-T-E-E-M-O-Y-E-R, and I've been periscoping and live-tweeting all the events of the day so you can keep up with everything that's happening there with me on Twitter. Awesome, and Stephen, where can people find you? If you're looking for more of like a snarky look at the convention from someone outside of it, you can follow me at uh, Stephen underscore Perkins on Twitter. And it's Stephen with a PH. Stephen with a PH. Very important. Yes, not a PhD. There's no D in Stephen, just the PH. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find them both at uh, OutsetMagazine.com. Is that correct? Yes. All right, OutsetMagazine.com. Thank you, Stephen and Katie. Appreciate you being here. Thanks to those of you tuned in today. It's been great to have you with us. And today's programming has been brought to you by, you know it, Krispy Kreme 
Donuts fundraising opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round. They can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. So if your educational, religious, community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help with that. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com slash fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to have comedian John Christ. He's here to talk about his new commercial for a new app called Get Offended. It's going to be really fun. You don't want to miss tomorrow's show with John Chris. Then Thursday, we'll be back to the convention floor for some more uh, from the GOP happenings in Cleveland. And then we'll wrap things up on Friday with our fun Friday non-political segment as always. Thanks for being here today. Remember, you can stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week at kvxl101.com. We'd love to have you join us on Sunday morning here at Liberty Baptist Church. Again, we're at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. Our services are at 930 and 1115. We're going to end the show today with Francesca uh, Battistelli, and he knows my name. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for being here.